0: Hey y'all, my name is
1: Eric. I'm the lead pastor at Emanuel and Hooksett. I want to thank you for listening to our podcast. Our goal is to be a blessing to everyone who listens as you continue on your journey of faith. It's also our hope that you'll be encouraged to find a church to belong to so you can plug into that congregation and bless others with the gifts and experiences that God has entrusted you with. Well, I hope this podcast is a blessing to you and encourages you to get out there and be the blessing. God bless. This morning, we are wrapping up our series of Advent, Expect Jesus. And Expect Jesus is something that uh, I don't usually like to do repeat series, as some of you may know. But this series was so powerful to me and important to me two years ago when we did it that I felt we needed to do it again. And I hope it's been a blessing to you. I know we've got a lot of new faces that weren't here two years ago, and so I'm hoping it's given you a fresh blessing. And for those that were, I hope it's given you a refresher. Um, We often wander through life with with no view of God or Jesus in our day-to-day living, uh, we, we get up, sometimes we don't pray, sometimes we do, and, and then we go to work or, or we meet family and friends, and we have a tendency to forget that Christ is with us. And I think as I grew up in sort of a legalistic flavor of Christianity, expecting Jesus was kind of like a drag. You follow what I'm saying? Like, hey, watch what, be careful little eyes, what you see, right? Be careful little hands, what you do, something, something, something. Something, something, God is watching you. Um, (laughs) That was like my brand of Christianity. It was like, you better not screw up. Because Jesus is going to slap you. Uh, It wasn't exactly like that because that's irreverent. But um, anyways, the idea of God watching me was not comfort to me. It was uncomfortable. Now certainly God does not want us to be involved in sin He doesn't want us to be unloving. He doesn't want us to be hateful, to be bitter. Um, But he wants to love us. And he wants to remove our guilt and shame and pour forgiveness into our lives so that we can be better. It's counterintuitive to think that the removal of shame and the removal of guilt by the blood of Jesus on the cross would free you. Because I think as human beings, our natural default is legalism and we want punitive damages for the things that we fail in that's why sometimes we look in the mirror and we are full of hate for self and so expecting jesus to me was was uncomfortable but when i went away to that counseling retreat god reset my heart cleaned up my vision so that i could see him more clearly and really grasp the depth of his love for me personally and I've been sharing this for the last 12 and a half years that I've pastored. And God has been ministering to me through you, uh, to you through me, and trying to reset your image of God to be a more biblical image. Uh, but when I went on to counseling, someone ministered that to me. And I hadn't experienced but maybe one moment of someone pouring into me that kind of love. And so while I was teaching it, I was struggling to experience it. And so my goal, as we wrap this series up, is that, is that you learn to experience the love of God in Christ, and you learn to expect Him. The first sermon we did was expect Jesus in our ordinary lives. The day-to-day, mundane, going to work, getting up, feeding the kids, changing diapers, getting puked on by Sarah's baby last night. Um... It's been a long time since I enjoyed the puke of a little baby. I remember Kirsten was crying one day. She used to sleep on the floor by my bed because she was just so stubborn. I mean, not like on the floor, like there was blankets and she was all comfy and stuff. My eldest daughter has cerebral palsy, but she was pretty little back then, maybe two or three, and she was fussing. And so I'm like half asleep trying to shove her binky in her face, like, just take the binky just take the big white. I'm trying to find her mouth, but not look. So I'm probably getting her eyes and her nose. And finally, she puked on my hand. Oh, So disgusting. I digress. We can expect Jesus in those moments. We can understand that Jesus is sitting with us on the couch, that Jesus is walking with us in the way, that Jesus is, is going to work with us, that Jesus is is with us in those times where we just think it's ordinary. And when we, re, when we begin to realize Jesus is with us, the ordinary becomes extraordinary. You walk with the God of the universe beside you and within you if you have come to Christ as your one and only personal Savior. I did a funeral service on Thursday and, and I, I, I made this comment, I hate religion. And I do, and I've hated religion for a long time. Because religion is man's way of reaching God. It's cleaning up your act. It's fixing yourself. It's, it's somehow uh, working hard to, to get the approval from God when Christ died on the cross to give it to you as a gift. So the second, I'm sorry. Hey, Trish, can you call Rom? They're trying to call me. Thanks. That's my daughter's providers. They're caregivers, so probably shouldn't miss this. Um, expect Jesus when your phone rings and you're preaching. Expect Jesus in your shame was the second in the series. Recognizing that when Jesus came to the cross, he died for all the sins of the world and... and your sins personally those things that you've done wrong that nobody else knows about jesus died for those sins those sins that everyone knows about and you have that red letter that scarlet letter fastened to your chest and everybody just looks at you with disdain jesus doesn't he died for that scarlet letter He looked at the woman taken in adultery as she was thrown at his feet in the dust, and the religious people of the day wanted him to concede to her death. And instead, he took her shame and died for her. Expect Jesus in our shame. Last week, we we talked about expecting Jesus in our fear. How many of you have been through some fearful things in the last year or two? A few of you. And the problem with fear is it can consume us and it can distract us and it can weigh us down with this impossible burden to bear. But the beautiful thing about expecting Jesus in your fear is that Jesus said, my yoke is easy and my burden is light and he will carry your burden of fear with you. Fear can be reasonable and it can be unreasonable. I think we're living in an age of unreasonable fear in many ways where reason has left the building. And sometimes fear is reasonable, but if we're caught up in its grip and we allow it to control us, reason leaves the building then as well. We need to learn to handle our fear in healthy, godly ways. So many times Jesus says, fear not, fear not, fear not. There was a reason to fear. We use the passage in scripture where the where the disciples were in the the boat going across the Sea of Galilee and and the waves were coming up over the stern and the clouds were roiling and there was lightning and there was thunder and it was this terrible storm. And Jesus is sleeping in the boat and they're freaking out. Like, hello, wake up. Don't you understand what's happening here? We're going to drown. And they they had seen Jesus heal people. They'd seen Jesus do these amazing miracles, casting demons out of people, and, and yet they were terrified, and they, they thought they were going to drown, but they had Jesus in the boat with them. Expect Jesus in your fear. And this morning, we're going to talk about expecting Jesus in another way. So turn your Bibles to John 1, chapter, chapter 1, verse 6. This is, well, I was going to start singing. It's the most wonderful time of the year, right? It's Christmas, and the kids are happy, and you can't wait to have them open, right? Open gifts under the tree, and and I love seeing their faces. And I'll never forget when I got Chloe her, her iPhone, her first one. She was in one of those, like, bungee cord chairs that we got for her and Nate. And she was like bouncing, like going to bounce up to the ceiling. She was so excited. Don't you love giving gifts? Well, it, it's not just a wonderful time of the year for some people. There's some people that this year in particular have lost folks. The service I did was for a man who was with his wife for 22 years and passed away, not of COVID, just medical negligence. It was a surprise. It was unexpected. And the pain was poignant at the service as I tried to minister to these people who had lost their best friend, who had lost a husband. One young man, 19 years old, lost his dad. This is a season of pain for many, many people. All good? Thanks, buddy. And yet, as we enter into this season, if you're struggling with pain, I want to encourage you to look for Jesus in your pain. Look for Jesus in your pain. There was a man sent from God whose name was John. This man came for a witness, to bear witness of the light that all through him might believe. He, John, was not that light, but was was sent to bear witness of that light. That was the true light, which gives light to every man coming into the world. He was in the world, and the world was made through him. Here's something so sad, the world did not know him. He came to his own, and his own received him not, but as many as received him. To them, he gave the right to become the children of God to those who believe in his name. This is why we celebrate Christmas. God incarnate came into the womb of Mary, wrapped himself in humanity, and walked among us so that we might become the children of God. Now, you've heard that saying, oh, we're all God's children. We're not all God's children. We are all God's creation, but only those who come to God through Jesus have the right to become and to be called the children of God because our sin separates us from Him. And if I can encourage you to do one thing this morning, if you have never had that time in your life where you've recognized you're a sinner by birth and a sinner by choice, would you come to Jesus right now where you're sitting? I oh, don't wait. He loves you. He wants you. He died for your sin and he rose from the grave so that you could have not only eternal life, but a new life here and now where you walk in forgiveness and you walk with the spirit. And as I've been preaching the last three weeks, you can walk expecting Jesus to be with you in your life ordinary, and in your shame, and in your fear, and today we talk about in your pain, who were born not of the, born not of blood, nor the will of man, nor the will of the flesh, nor the will of man, but of God, and the Word became flesh, and the Word is Jesus, the Word became flesh, dwelt among us, and we beheld His glory, the glory as of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. And this is King Jesus. He is full of grace and truth. Now, there are some churches and they just push grace, 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 but there's no truth. And the problem with that is without truth, there's no real grace. We need the truth. We need to see ourselves as we are before a holy God and then understand that his blood provided for us grace and mercy so that we might be forgiven and go on in our lives walking with him. So again, this morning we're going to talk about expecting Jesus in our, in our pain, expecting Jesus in our pain. There's a passage of Scripture that follows this one that we opened on that brilliantly displays the love of God. For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son, that whoever believes in Him should not perish but have everlasting life. It's a verse that children learn. And, and I think sometimes we lose uh, the, our understanding as we get older. We, we miss the potency of that scripture because it tells us why God came into his world, came into his creation. He, became, he came because he loves his creation and he took responsibility for us. Why did Jesus come? He came because he loves you more than anyone else you've ever met. He loves you. Parents, he loves your children more than you do. They're in good hands. He loves you. He loves your children. And he wants you to be a part of his family. It doesn't matter if you've walked in a place of betrayal and and everyone's let you down and you have trust issues. Listen, there's one person you can trust that will never let you down, that will keep every promise that has ever been uttered from his mouth or in his word. And that is King Jesus. And he will walk with you in your pain. Trust me on that one. Cold reality of life is that we'll all suffer at some point in time. That is life, my friends. If you haven't suffered yet, hold on. It's coming. No one gets out of life without suffering and dying. If you haven't suffered, you're going to suffer. you haven't experienced pain, you're going to experience pain. And here's, here's another sad reality. If you have suffered and you think, okay, my quota has been reached, you're probably going to suffer again. I used to think that when I was younger. We had a handicapped daughter. That was rough. Okay. I'm finished for the rest of my life. Thank you, Lord. We got through it. We're okay. Uh, And then something else happened, and then something else happened, (laughs) and then something else happened. I'm like, really? At this point, uh, I'm kind of like, really? Come on, Lord. Can you give us a break? But the break that he gives us is he suffers with us. As I mentioned a moment ago, I was officiating this funeral service, and as I was Reading the scripture, I, I went off script because that's my favorite thing to do, and I was just supposed to read Psalm 23. And I read the first half of Psalm 23. Yea, the Lord, what is it? Help me out. No, no, the first half. The Lord is my shepherd. Thank you, COVID brain. The Lord is my shepherd; I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside the still waters. Right. Beautiful beginning. The sun is shining. The fish are biting. You're taking a nap in this beautiful field of grass. You're comfortable. It's soft. Not my thing because I'm allergic to grass, but for you, it's great. You know, and, and just enough of a breeze. You ever have that in the summer where it's just perfect? All right? So he's, he's going through this beautiful place, and then the psalmist, like, on a dime, boom, you're in the valley of the shadow of death. Pain and suffering invade your space, and you have nothing to do with it. You can't stop it. It is here. So, what happens? He says, Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I'll fear no evil. For what? You are with me. And as I was reading that scripture and I was sharing with this group of friends and family, it just hit me. The green pastures and the still waters and the beautiful weather and that is Jesus and the still waters walk with you through the storm. The light of life walks with you in the valley of death. And you carry that with you wherever you go. That is what it means to expect Jesus in your fear, in your pain, in your shame, and in your ordinary. So pain and suffering can seem trite to others. Some of you are going through some things and there's others that have been through some really bad things. And they look at you and they say, dude, suck it up. It's not that bad. But what those of you that have been through some severe things need to understand that that pain is, is personal. And what you might look at as not that bad to them is rocking their world. And we need compassion. And we need, and we need to care for those that are struggling. Whether we've struggled with a mountain and they're walking through a little pebble, we still need to respect their pain and what they're suffering in. And we need to be the heart hands, eyes, feet, and love of Jesus to them. Pain is a personal thing. It's not comparable to others. Suffering is suffering. The words of Scripture that we read can help us to begin to understand that not only is our pain personal, so too is our Savior. Jesus is personal. In that passage of Scripture, He says that we have the right to become the children of God. Not some distant God so far removed from our reality, but a, but a personal God that calls us children. How many of you wouldn't, wouldn't die for your kids? How many of you wouldn't take a bullet for your kids? You know you would. You know you would. As many as received him, to them he gave the right to become the children of God. We're given the gift of Jesus in our pain, walking with us, Suffering not, listen now, suffering not just for us, as he did on the cross, but suffering with us. I'll never forget, I was so angry at God for not healing my daughter. I I hate to keep using personal stories, but I think transparency can help some of you. I was driving down 93 South, going to work. I wasn't always a pastor. I didn't start ministry until uh, 1999. I was 29 years old. So I was a regular guy, driving to work. Having a conversation with God. Why didn't you heal my daughter? And then I started yelling at God. I don't recommend it. It it, it ended well, but it, it it was a little different kind of pain that he visited on me. Sort of like, excuse me, son. You want to say that again? Um, I said, how can you say you love me if you won't heal my daughter? It was a very spoiled brat kind of thing. How can you say you love me if you won't remove this pain from my family, my daughter, and my life? And at that moment, I kind of felt one of these. I <laughs> felt like my eyeballs bounced off the insides of my glasses for a second. And the Lord spoke to my heart, and he said, how dare you question my love for you? My son died on the cross, a brutal, torturous death because of my love for you. How dare you question that love? And then as I was driving to work, he began to show me that not only did Jesus suffer for me, but even in that moment, in that suffering, because the Spirit of Christ is within me and Jesus is with me all the time and everywhere that He not only suffered for me, but He suffers with me and within me. He experiences all of the pain and the betrayal, all of the hurt that, that I have ever gone through. Jesus has personally experienced as if it was His own The old saying, he will not call you to walk through something that he is not walking through first. And that brought this amazing sense of of comfort and reality that God did love me and he was walking with me and he hadn't abandoned me, but this was a calling. And we were called to suffer for his cause and for his sake. And it blew my mind. And I hope it blows yours. Because if you're going to suffer, you should suffer well And you should squeeze out of that suffering every last drop that you can for the goodness of God and the call to share the gospel with others. Pain's personal, but in our pain, Jesus walks. In Luke chapter 4, chapter 4 verse 18, Jesus is beginning His earthly ministry and He's he's coming out strong. He's reading from the scroll of Isaiah. He's kind of announcing himself on the scene here. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because He has anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He has, here you go, He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives and recovery of sight to the blinds, to set at liberty those who are oppressed, to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord. And, And as we open this uh, series, and we often preach here, Jesus is personal. Your pain is personal, but Jesus is personal. He doesn't look at your pain as, oh, there's just some pain. He looks at it as it is, poignant and personal to you. He walks with you in that pain. He's come to heal the broken heart of the God of the universe, has come to heal our broken and hurting hearts. He's present In our pain, and listen, he's redeeming our pain for his cause. When you suffer, it's a calling. It's a calling to bring love and comfort into others' lives. In the book of 1 Corinthians, he says, We comfort others with the comfort which we have received. As you go through your suffering and you begin to open your eyes to the presence of Christ and you see others suffering, you are able to step into their lives in a way that no one else could because you have experienced that suffering and you can be the representation of Jesus in their lives. I want to explain to you and show you exactly what I mean by that in John chapter 19. They're stood by the cross. Now, Jesus is being crucified. He's being mocked. He's stripped naked. He's been brutally tortured and beaten before he was crucified. His, his skin is, is just laying in stripes upon his back and muscle, sinew, and bone is revealed through all of that torture. And now he's hanging on the cross, a grotesque display of what a human can suffer. And there stood by the cross of Jesus, his mom. His mom's sister, Mary, the wife of Clopas, and Mary Magdalene, one of his best friends. When Jesus therefore saw his mom, his mother, and the disciple whom he loved, that was John who's writing this book, the disciple whom he loved standing by, he said to his mother, woman, behold your son. And then he said to to John, his disciple, behold your mother. And from that hour, his disciple took her into his own home. We talk about pain is personal. And Jesus is personal. Jesus is all God and all man. And as he was hanging on the cross, the humanity of Jesus, the love of Jesus for his mom and what his mom was suffering was on brilliant display. As he looked down from the cross in the midst of the worst suffering of humankind, because it wasn't just physical, it was spiritual, and he was taking all of the darkness of the world upon himself. He looked out, and that moment he saw his mom, his mom who had held his hand, who had had held him when he cried and skinned his knee, his mom who, who had taught him and raised him as he was growing up and gaining favor with man and God and This is his mom and he looks out at his mom and and he knows that as his mom is is looking up at that cross, she's just seeing her son. You see your son suffering like that and hurting. There's almost no pain like seeing your child in pain. And she's standing at the foot of the cross. She's just looking up at him and you know she wanted to be on that cross for him. You know she wanted to run up there and take him down. But if she did, if she stopped his suffering, we'd all be damned. The world would have been lost she were to end his suffering. So as she, she's standing there suffering, weeping, hurting, like never before in her life. In his suffering, he looks down. And Jesus is personal and he said, Mom, I've set things up. John's going to take care of you. John's going to take care of you. I'm giving you my best friend, the disciple whom he loved. I'm I'm trusting the most precious treasure of my mother with the most precious treasure of my friend. Pain is personal, but so is Jesus. So is Jesus. This is the love of God, that human side of Jesus. He cares like no other. He took a grieving mother and sent her comfort in the form of his best friend. Now you say it isn't enough, but as I mentioned, what would have been better? Him coming off the cross and ending her suffering? If he came off the cross to end her suffering, as I mentioned, the world would go to hell. And there would be no escape. We look at our suffering and our goal, our goal, our goal is to just have it ended. That is the West for you. A Band-Aid for every boo-boo, a salve for every wound, a med for every hurt. But sometimes, folks, we need to suffer for the sake of the world. Now, we can't die for their sins as Jesus did, but when God allows us to suffer, it is for his sake. Whatever it is, no suffering is for naught. Suffering we go through is so that others can see Christ. The presence of Christ in us, the presence of Christ with us, and the love of God. So often we say, Lord, relieve me of these burdens, instead of saying, Lord, carry them with me. Now, I'm not saying there's anything wrong with saying, Lord, please take this away. If it's your will, please take this away. But if it's not, help me to suffer well and recognize that you are with me. How dare you question the love of God? How dare you question the love of God? Now, I mentioned earlier that we need to be the hands and feet, heart and mind of Jesus to those that are around us. And sometimes there are those that are suffering and, and we kind of become indifferent toward their suffering. Sometimes in our suffering, we escape the necessity to minister to others and love well because we're consumed with our own pain. I've fallen into that trap. It's a very difficult year. But we need to learn. We need to learn to move through and minister through our pain to others. And we need to learn to love others well. You know, John was suffering. The Apostle John, who was at the feet, at the foot of the cross with Mary, and he was suffering. This was his best friend. They'd lived together, ate together, traveled together. He found the Messiah he was hurting, but in his pain, Jesus called him to minister to his mother. Folks, we need, to, we need to learn how to do that. We need to learn to expect Jesus in our pain. Suffering is necessary. And originally, I was going to say sometimes suffering is necessary, but I've come to understand that all the time, suffering, whenever you are called to suffer, it's necessary. Because you have a God that loves you. He loves you and if he's called you to suffer it is necessary for you and it is necessary for others around you there are no scraps of waste on the floor of suffering everything can be used for the glory of god for all listen there's uh, the bible teaches us that all things work together for the good to those that love god to those that are the called according to his purpose and so we need to expect jesus In our pain, but that expectation is all about faith. It's all about do you believe and what you believe about Jesus. When I was driving down 93, I didn't understand how God could love me in the suffering. I didn't understand why He would allow this. And, And I was so struggling with this. And this is what the enemy will do he will rush in and he will try to convince you that the goodness of God is a lie. Because of your suffering. Don't buy the lie. Don't buy the lie. Some of us we think about Jesus like, like this. You think that's Jesus looking at our life burning down, and he's going, Mm-hmm, yeah, anything else? You ever meet somebody like that? You're telling them all of your woes, and they just kind of like, okay, can we get this over with? I think a lot of times that's how we view Jesus. We we think that our troubles and our trials aren't really important to him, and he's just kind of rolling his eyes. Just rolling his eyes while your where your world burns to cinder. But that's not Jesus. When pain arrives, it often arrives without warning and can take us off guard so much that we lose perspective. Our perception needs to shift. At the time, the, the pain is a, is a dull ache of loss, and then we have seasons like Christmas, and that dull ache becomes a sharp pain, and it begins to consume us to the point where we're not able to even love others well or see clearly through our pain. Pain is difficult. We talked about fear last week, but pain is difficult. I think sometimes more difficult than fear. Sometimes the pain is so bad, you just want to crawl into a shell and hide from everyone. And we look at Jesus and we wonder, do you care? Where are you? It could be physical pain, emotional pain. It could be the pain of betrayal. The pain of failure. It comes in all shapes and sizes. It can consume you. It can draw you away from God. Listen to me. Pain can draw you away from your Lord and Savior into the waiting arms of the enemy. Let it sink in because so often we do not deal with our pain well and we do not look for Jesus in our pain and we try to make it on our own. And and sometimes when we're really hurting so badly, we don't even reach out for help. We just keep collapsing in on ourselves. And what we're really doing is being deceived and led into the arms of the enemy. And from there... Bitterness can grow. And bitterness is like a root, the Bible says. It's under the ground, it's unseen, it's working its devious measures on your life. And then finally, when the tree of bitterness springs up from the ground, the Bible says that many are defiled by the bitterness that you have allowed to grow in your life. In other words, your sphere of influence is not only diminished, it's corrupted. If you allow bitterness to rule in your life. So how do we counter it? Well, first of all, we need faith. You've got to expect that Jesus is in your pain. You have to understand his goodness is unquestionable. Expectations matter. Matter. And when those thoughts come flying in from the enemy or even from your own wounded heart, we have to begin to recognize what is a lie and what is truth. And this is why we have the Word of the Living God written down for us to see. It supersedes our experience. God's Word is the only sure foundation that tells us what He is like, what He is about, and how much He cares. We have this image of Jesus when we're going through pain. Like, are you there? Where are you? And listen, I think it's okay to pray, where are you, God? In fact, that's a wonderful prayer. Reveal yourself to me in this pain. Reveal yourself. Where are you? Help me to see you. That is where you want to be. You want to be praying that you want to be looking for Jesus. You want to be inviting him into your pain with you. Keep praying that prayer, but don't stop there. Claim the goodness of God. Reject the lie of the enemy that keeps hammering on you that God is not that good. How could he allow you to go through this? Listen, the enemy wants to destroy you and others through you. You say, Pastor, I'm not that influential. You are far more influential than you give yourself credit for far more. So we're either going to see Jesus like this or maybe we'll see Him as He he is. He's personal and He cares. He's personal and He cares. Expect Jesus in your pain. You know, when you begin to Expect this kind of response from the Lord of creation. You can expect him to put his hand on your shoulder. You can expect him to hold you in those dark and lonely hours. It can give you a joy in that darkness. It can give you a joy in that pain. It can give you a spark that others can see. And as they see that spark in you, when you're surrounded by darkness, what they're seeing is Jesus. And if there was ever a time in our world where the people need to see Jesus, it's now. What a time to be alive. We should all stop complaining. What a time to be alive when there is fear, uncertainty, pain, shame, surrounding us where we can begin to shine that light love like look like, act like Jesus Hey all thanks for listening to this podcast If you'd like to know more please go to our website EmmanuelHooksit.com, where you'll find helpful links and resources and where you can contact us directly That web address again is emmanuelhooksit.com. Com. Bless God, get out there, and be the blessing.